Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Freedom. Freedom! Well, sign away my freedom. Why, this is ridiculous. Don't be corny, brother. <laughs> sure, our system of free enterprise isn't perfect. But before we throw it away for some imported double talk, let's turn the clock back a few years to see what it's done for us. With your host, Mike Paul. Yeah, so this uh, this daylight savings change has me still like all messed up. I don't know if you're feeling the same way. A little bit. The first solid week, I would say. Well, my biggest problem is that the our baby's nap times don't adjust around it. So, you know, they, they get up super early now. And uh, and then for as far as recording the podcast, you know, we used to do 7.30, which was fine because we'd put the babies down at 6.30. Um, but now the babies think 6.30 is 7.30. So we can't start recording at 7.30. I'm actually, I'm pushed back an hour. So now it's even harder to accommodate all of you and my guest schedules to uh, to record. So it's just one more thing. <laughs> yeah. Make it a little more challenging. Yeah, I guess for me, the, uh, the time change wasn't too bad. I mean, it was, I'm used to uh, my start time at work varies about an hour anyway. So I, and I'm an early riser, so I can usually adjust around it and kind of go to bed early or whenever I want. That hasn't been so bad. What's been rough for me lately, and I just kind of stopped bitching about this because nobody wants to hear it. And also, it's just been the same thing. But so I got COVID in October, early October, and it completely wiped out my sense of taste completely for about six weeks. And then certain things started coming back. Like I could taste tomatoes pretty early on, weirdly, which, okay, it's better than nothing. You know, when you when you don't taste anything for six weeks, and then you can taste tomato. It's like just a gift from God. Like it's just being handed to you on the silver platter. So was real into tomatoes for a while. So then it was, it was back. Like my taste was coming back and my smell really wasn't, but you don't really miss smelling things. I mean, you kind of miss it, but it's really, if you're not having any pleasure when you're eating, that's what just sucks your soul. So it was about six weeks and then started coming back. And then I would say from late November till early January, things were just good. Like my smell was still super dull and then, you know, my taste was back. So whatever. Then in January, all of a sudden I had this distorted taste. So like half of all the foods I ate and the smells I smelled were like this rotten kind of flowery garbage. And it's just been just persistent. Like it's gotten, it'll have days where it's better and it's not really an issue. And then other days where, you know, my, my, uh, old spice deodorant smells like fish and just rotting flowers. It's the most disgusting thing. And I still have no idea how long it's going to last. Nobody really does. They said about 7% of people that have have had COVID have this. And uh, for for the listeners, our sister is actually going through the same thing right now. She had it in December. So that sucked really bad. And uh, I don't wish this on my worst enemy. It's 
it just sucks ass. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, that's brutal. I you kept mentioning it, and then like I just kind of like put it out of my head and figured like I, ah, <laughs> he must be fine by now. He would have <laughs> complained <laughs> still, tell, but it's like you tell people how miserable it is. Like you just kind of randomly open up, like yeah. So uh, pretty much everything I taste and smell just smells like shit, and I still have to eat food. So it's just uh, it's miserable, and people just look at you like uh. Yeah, man, that's fucking weird. All right. So anyway, where are we going for lunch? Like they just, it's like, nobody really cares. It's like, until you experience it, it's like, I don't know even what to do with that information. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, man. There's a, you know, no one's got constant highs all the time. Let's put it that way. There's always (laughs) someone that's, uh, you know, got their own stuff to complain about, but Hey, you know, just don't play the victim and, uh, try to push through it. But yours really sucks, man. I mean, I, I don't know how to control that. I mean, what do you do? It's, it's no. like a new thing. And and it's, I well, I've modified my diet around the things that aren't affected. Like uh, cherry, sparkling water, the bubbly brand, those taste just like cherry. You know, most things with tomatoes taste like things with tomatoes. And then what sucks is some of, some of my favorite foods have been just tainted forever, I think, at this point. Like every once in a while, if I want to really sleep hard, I like to make like a double-decker PB&J sandwich. And I just smash that thing down with some almond milk. And then I'm out cold. And uh, it was like a tradition of mine every once in a while to do it after a good workout. And uh, PB&J tastes like fish asshole. So I can't have those anymore. I've never even thought. If you could imagine like a a catfish that's like murking around in the mud in Mississippi. And then that catfish ate cat food and uh, was living in piss water and was eight years old. And at the end of its life that catfish's asshole is what you know barbecue chicken tastes like that's an incredibly specific point but uh yeah that's disgusting man i've had um, a lot of time to to really <laughs> narrow it down really narrow it down all the, the i'd have to be this age with this environment and this diet um but anyways i, was, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that uh you know what we're you know what we're doing with the show like for instance last week if they listen to the show, uh, Tyler sat in for you um, and Tyler will also be sitting again tomorrow. And, you know, a lot of that is just us being in the early stages of everything and kind of figuring out each other's schedules. And um, yeah, I just didn't want you guys to think Nick was going anywhere. Or Nick had been replaced. We're all still good and all, uh, all good relationships and everything. It's just, uh, it's, it's a bit of a learning curve. Now this is becoming a regular thing and we got a, we got a pretty good size audience and, Got a pretty uh, busy schedule of guests booked for the next couple of weeks. And, yeah, we got some um, good ones coming up. I'm yeah, excited. it's uh, yeah. So I mean, I kind of want to touch on. So tomorrow we have Carr from Timeline Earth podcast. Who uh, Tyler procured that interview and uh, should be a fun one. Um, I, I haven't listened too much to their podcast, but you know, I think they're pretty like minded on most issues. Um, Tyler's uh, Tyler and Chad are both big fans of their show. So it'll be it'll be fun to talk to them and kind of get to know someone else in this podcast world. And uh, I'm I'm really excited for Sunday. Now we're gonna do something completely different. Um, you know, <laughs> it really kind of stuck out to me today because uh, Brian McWilliams from Lions of Liberty started advertising our show today. Um, I bought a block of ads from them, and you know, format that I sent to to Dave Smith as well. <laughs> and it was, you know, it says. We other we covered topics including cars, jujitsu, barbecue, and more. Which because that was the original plan of the show was I wanted to talk about things that interested me. 
Um, but like I've said before, we started the, the day after the election. So it kind of has been pretty hard on politics out of the gate. But uh, I did have one uh, car guy on a while back, a friend of mine named the auto archaeologist. So we broke it up a little bit. And we're going to do uh, like a bonus episode this weekend. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of curious to see the download numbers to see what how many people are interested in listening to something that's not about politics. Not saying we might not touch on some issues, but um, we have an actual uh, like classic rock guitarist uh, named, ironically, same name as my son, Henry Paul, who was the guitarist for the Southern rock band, The Outlaws, which if you're not familiar, their biggest hit was Greengrass and High Tides Forever. There Goes Another Love Song. Um, and they did a great rendition of Ghost Riders in the Sky. Um, but it's kind of a huge honor. And and the way we got in touch with him is a very uh, cool story. And, you know, a lot of times people say don't meet your heroes, but this kind of gave me a whole bunch of respect for, for Henry Paul and the Outlaws because uh, Nick and I have a family friend who was basically like, would you say, like an unofficial uncle to us all our lives? Yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, He's only 51 years old. Um, he got diagnosed with colon cancer about a year and a half ago. And um, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, things took a, a really bad turn. And and he unfortunately passed away on, on the 10th. But uh, in his final days, uh, our, our family friend was a huge music buff. And he was like an encyclopedia. I mean, he knew like every song. He knew every member's origin story. He knew like most of their birthdays. Like he was a music encyclopedia and i i give him a lot of credit for for my interest in music and a lot of the knowledge i have and i thought you know nick and i had said we should do something cool for him like you know along the lines of like make a wish like what would what would be really cool to do for for this guy and i reached out to a couple of musicians that he was big fans of and henry paul read my story i sent him an email and he called me out of the blue he, he i gave him my phone number and he called me i chatted him for about 20 minutes and uh, he said he's willing to, to talk to our buddy and let him, you know, shoot the shit with him, which I thought was just amazing. He's just such a cool down to earth guy. And uh, unfortunately, our, our friend just his health declined so fast. He wasn't in the condition to even want to talk. It was really sad. But uh, it was really cool that he offered that. But our our family friend did ask that I stay in touch with him. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be like being a fanboy and blowing up his phone all the time just because I have his phone number. <laughs> but uh, I, I told him, I said, you know, but he did ask that we stay in touch. And Henry said, like, you'd be happy to come on the podcast. So, I mean, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty surreal. Like, I think it's super ironic that his name is Henry Paul. Like he shares the name with my son. That's just odd. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how the universe allowed that to happen. It's a weird coincidence. Um, but also just these songs I've, been a huge fan of since i was a kid i mean these guys were opening up for like leonard skinner in 1976 like before the plane crash like these are they're partying with the biggest names in the world like opening up for them and they had songs on the top 10 billboards at the time so it's gonna it's got some wild stories i'm really excited for that one yeah the outlaws to me were always like they were the music buffs band you know everybody knows like the hits from skinner and marshall tucker band and everything but the outlaws, I feel like were kind of the more underground, like they had a couple big hits, like you mentioned, but they, I mean, I, I like their stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm going to admit that I'm not like a huge outlaws fan as in know all their albums and all their songs. I basically know the hits, you know? Right. Um, but I, I mean, I love green grass and high tides. It's an awesome song. And, you know, I don't think anybody wants to be remembered as a one hit wonder, but uh, yeah, just to talk to somebody that's been 
in that world and rubbed elbows with some other legends. It's someone who's partied with Ronnie Van Zant. I got to hear these stories. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's just going to be, I mean, that's just, you know, Skinner, you know, I'll admit is probably my favorite band. So it means no disrespect to the outlaws. It's just, you know, Skinner's hard to match. It's like, you know, um, but no, that should be a very exciting one. And like I said, I'm kind of curious to see the the download numbers. And that's why I want to give him a heads up ahead of time that if you're going to click on that episode, don't expect it to be political. Um, I don't know his political stances or if he has any at all. And I'm not really interested in that. And I'm, I'm going to get it out of him. <laughs> I'm not interested in debating a, a, a rock star. So I'm not going to try to steer clear of that. But it's it's very hard in this, this environment. Um, but yeah, just more or less, it's just a huge honor. And, and and I really appreciate his time, so I'm I, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's gonna be pretty wild that like 30 years from now, my son named Henry Paul is gonna be able to look up a podcast of me interviewing like the Henry Paul, which he's not named after. But I always thought it was a cool footnote. Like, well, my wife and I just love the name Henry, but it was just a cool footnote that was like, ah, you know, this the Outlaws guitarist was Henry Paul. I always knew that, and. uh yeah, it's kind of it's pretty wild. This is this podcast takes you to some crazy places that you never would have expected pretty fast. Yeah, no, it's been it's been fun. I mean, since we started the podcast, it was just like, hey, let's just shoot the shit and speak our minds and then just invite some interesting people on and try to have good conversations with them. And we've done that. And, you know, I think like the whole thing, you hear so many sales and business people say build a product that you want and then sell it to people like you. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we've done just that. Like, I don't want it to be like all I'm really interested in doing and you're aligned with this. And so is Tyler is let's just have good conversations and just bring on people that are cool to talk to. And then uh, just if you build it, they will come. And it's been working, you know, where the the podcast is growing. And, uh, you know, the more big names we get on there and people that think highly of us or enjoy the conversation, the more reputable we become and then the bigger guests we get on. So I mean, we've already like right out of the gate, I was just blown away by how many people were accessible just without having any knowledge of us. Like you shot Scott Horton an email. He's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, and then, it was so fast. And, yeah. you know, uh, Tyler is taking over the Twitter account because I just I don't do social media. I'm like a year and a half clean of having a Facebook. And like I tried doing the Twitter thing for a couple of weeks and it just rose my blood pressure and made me unhappy. And I was like, I, this isn't for me. But Tyler gets off on uh, shit posting. So I was like, hey, why don't you just run the page? But um, he's been having a blast. Like, he's been inviting a bunch of guests. And he's like, dude, like, these guys are so cool. They all just say yes. And I'm like, yeah, that's how it's yeah. starts from the start. Like, these people are happy to, like, spread their message. It's really cool. I mean, it's, it's yeah, I didn't expect it to be that simple. But, I mean, just in the next week, we have, like I mentioned, we have Carr from Timeline Earth. We have Henry Paul from The Outlaws. We have Vin Armani on Monday. And then uh, we have, or Tuesday. And then Monday, I think we have Clint from, um liberty lockdown so it's pretty pretty action-packed week yeah no that is that is going to be a lot of fun and uh, i think the other thing that's been cool is i feel like in the early episodes but and especially when my audio was dog shit um that sucked you know when my audio was like my little piece of shit microphone i had set up and i the first couple episodes were rough but uh the other thing, so it's the audio quality has gotten better. And then I've just gotten more comfortable behind the mic where my just regulating my volume and, you know, still sometimes I find myself stuttering if I'm trying to get an idea out and we have a guest on, it's like all of a sudden you're just tongue tied trying to, you know, speak fluently and get your idea across without being long winded, but you also don't want to run over yourself. And I just couldn't get out of my own head. I'm like, Oh no, people are listening. 
you know, when you're talking and Scott Horton's listening to you or Gene Epstein or whatever, <laughs> you feel like this pressure and it kind of hits you. It's like, okay, I'm just talking to a guy here and talking about something that I love talking about. And then the kind the weight of it kind of hits you, but I've gotten more comfortable. I think we both have. Um, so dude, it's just been fun. You know, I don't know how we don't number our episodes, but we've got to be like 40 or so in. No, I think it's like 30 ish, uh, but 30 ish. Okay. Cause we started out doing like multiple a week and then it kind of slowed to, to one to two, but just, just because like I said, there's a learning curve of our scheduling, like doing three a week was fun, but Holy smokes, it was burning me out. Like, so I got to edit everything. I got to post it. I got four little kids. I have a day job. Like I, it was not getting enough sleep. I was like, okay, we got to pump the brakes a little bit and you know, not really like, you know, blow our wad with all the guests out of the gate, <laughs> you know, we kind of, kind of disperse them a little bit. Yeah, it's like we had a grand opening. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, and then, well, the other thing, like when I was listening to the ad on, on Lions of Liberty was that, you know, I said like a barbecue and more. And we haven't really done one episode on barbecue. Um, but the Malcolm reason why I mentioned Reed that. Is dodging us, yeah. Yeah, so we're, I did have Malcolm Reed, um, who has a YouTube channel called Hard to Bar- How to Barbecue Right. Hard to barbecue right. How to barbecue right. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to barbecue right. But, um how to barbecue writes his channel. And it has like over like 1.2 million followers. And I was able to procure an interview with him in January. Um, and then unfortunately uh, they reached back out and said like their schedule is so swamped going into barbecue season and production for the show that uh, circle back during the third quarter of this year. So I'm Which hoping we can gotta, line that one up. I got to say, if anybody is a, a griller out there and you haven't gone to his channel, I highly recommend it. I mean, yeah. I did his, uh, his beef tenderloin last weekend. And remember that scene from what about Bob where he's eating the corn and he's just going, Oh, and he's just groaning at the dinner table. You could yeah. ask my wife. I was I was cutting it up on the cutting board and just giving myself little slices, and my toes were making fists. It was so good. I mean, <laughs> that guy he really does know how to BBQ right, and I just love yeah. that he's just that this you know big Southern boy. He's just how to barbecue right, you know, just real laid back. Dude, he is an absolute gift to humanity. And like the way I discovered him was I when my wife and I first. We bought our first quarter cow when we uh, when we moved in together. We bought a quarter cow to put in our freezer, and I had a bunch of roasts. Like I love cooking, but you know steaks, burgers, all the all the easy ones I'm used to, chicken. But I had all these cuts that I didn't know what to do with. So I was like, man, what am I gonna do? How how do I what do I do with an arm roast? So I just like YouTubed, smoked arm roast, and boom, how to barbecue right is the first thing on any cut you put in because he has such a huge following for a good reason. It's just like I, a uh, I mean, you're getting world-class training for free when you go on YouTube and look at this stuff. And it's it's a blast. Like, there's nothing better than, like, a nice sunny day when you're just kicked back and, like, reading a book or listening to tunes while you're smoking something for eight hours. Like, it's just, oh, like, yeah. so that's what it's all about. Yeah, no, the, I, I mean, you know, you talk about, like, I feel like a lot of people get caught in the trap of, you look at everything that's going on in the world, just the last 12 months, you know, with COVID and the election and riots and everything. And I think it's a huge mistake to attach yourself emotionally or let the outside events of the world actually affect your happiness and your meaning in life because it's, you know, it's, it's too short. And if you're relying on other people for your stability, you're going to be, you know, sadly disappointed. And uh, to me, it's like, there's nothing better than even amidst all the chaos, like go on a Saturday morning, going to jujitsu, coming back, getting a cup of coffee and firing the grill up. And then, you know, listening to some almond brothers and smoking some ribs. It's like, you could just carve yourself out just a little mini vacation, give yourself, you know, just at least once a week, give yourself seven, eight hours to yourself where you're just doing exactly what you want. 
And okay. uh, I think it's I think it's easier when you don't have kids, by the way. But um, yeah. the other thing, the other <laughs> thing that you just touched on with the YouTube thing. And I mean, this isn't an original conversation or idea to begin with, but it really is crazy how much knowledge is out there for free on YouTube. And I guess you could say it's not really free because they're selling your data and, you know, advertising or whatever, because if it's free, then you're the product. But uh, yeah, it's like last week I had to, this past weekend, I have a Cadillac CTSV. I have an 07 and I'm having some shifting issues. So I was replacing the shifter. Yeah, it ain't no big deal. (laughs) (laughs) You got a Corvette motor. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) talking some fucking muscle. But uh, I had to replace the shifter bushings. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, what bracket do I get off? And how does that come out? And then how do I put this on? And I just searched it on YouTube. And this guy has a six minute video. It's just decently well produced and, and, you know, shows here's what you do remove this bracket, these bolts, blah, 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 blah. And I went through it and I'm like, okay, now I just get it. And how much time did that save me? And if this was 20 years ago, how long would I have busted my knuckles up and been frustrated trying to, or paid for a mechanic because this knowledge was not available to me. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's just incredible. I feel like we take it for granted, you know, and this is, uh, to bring up the Unabomber again, (laughs) I, I swear people, people are going to, uh, take this out of context, but, uh, Again, disclaimer in the beginning, Ted Kaczynski was a very, very bad man, and everything he did was bad. However, what he talked about with technology is a, is a real concern, you know, that people become the slaves to technology. I think that's a – I didn't think that way before. Like my, my mindset, you know, a year ago is just that obviously technology makes our lives better, and whenever we have innovations, it serves us, and how could that – how could anything else be the case? And then you realize that we become dependent on it. Right. So a hundred years ago, a car was an absolute luxury item that made your life way easier and better. And now you need a car just to participate in society. So things become a standard, a requirement to, it's a prerequisite to even have a life in the 21st century. But on the flip side of that coin, you can also make it serve you. It's not like people have to be the slaves of technology. If you, if you want to learn things on YouTube and use your computer and your smartphone to kind of automate your life and automate all your decision-making so you can spend more time doing what you want to do. That's also possible. It's not like, I feel like it's something that you need to be very conscious of that this technology can either serve you or it can destroy you. Yeah, no. And it's, it's a valid point, but I just feel like five years from now, I'm going to get a knock at the door. There's going to be some feds there because some government algorithm went through them, all my podcasts. And they're like, <laughs> the, the name Ted Kaczynski came up 17 times in the first 30 episodes. And I was like, what? No, no, it wasn't me. And then I, I just picture like that Sheriff John Bunnell guy from the world's wildest police chases. Like these knuckleheads thought they would talk about the Unabomber on their show. <laughs> Little did they know when they getting bombed was their podcast. And and at this point, it's become like a meme in our friends and our, our, like our family and our friends. Like, oh, there goes Nick talking about the Unabomber again. And I'm like, guys, his, I, he, he made some arguments apart from uh, obviously what he's infamous for is mailing bombs like a fucking maniac. Uh, but anyway, he was, uh, you know, uh, an intellectual beyond that and didn't you know, it's like, I don't understand why certain things are taboo and nobody can really tell you why it's like, I get if you're outright advocating for violence or, you know, if you're, if you're saying that like something about Hitler in a positive way, why that's a red flag, but it's like, I'm not saying anything about Ted Kaczynski, the man I'm talking about his arguments that were put forth. It's like, you could read or, you know, talk about Aristotle or, 
you know, any philosopher or, you know, let's say like Jordan Peterson, it's, you know, you could talk about his ideas and what he talks about. And you're not necessarily talking about who Jordan Peterson is as a man, you know, it's like, cause he has his own demons and his own problems, but that doesn't discredit everything he's produced his, his ideas and books and videos and lectures and all these things. So I think separating the art from the artist is always i uh, I'm not, I'm not calling, call I'm, not calling Ted, wow. I'm not Jesus. calling Ted an artist. Okay. That's a, <laughs> oh a phrase. I ever, it's uh, just, every time I try to make this better, it sounds a little bit worse, but I think people, deeper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the longer, yeah, the longer you listen, you could either understand my drift or uh, you're just going to get more freaked out. But um, just, like, anything you say can and will be used against you. Just, just tweet. Just, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, think about it. If you just want to say any bad people in history, their ideas cannot be talked about like the merits right, of them. Right. It's just a very narrow worldview. It's like, I, I don't know. You can talk about pretty much anybody else. Uh, Serial is I don't know I don't know if you'd call him a serial killer. Um, yeah, no, you would. He's a serial killer. Yeah, but uh, I'm not gonna get a hero out of them. Yeah, but. we could. Oh no, that's again <laughs> to make it very clear. Bad guy, bad guy. Okay, just made some interesting arguments and assertions about technology. That's all. Right. I mean, that's that's fair enough. Anyways, this is going too far. We have plenty of time to talk about Uncle Ted sitting in the slammer. What <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we be cellmates? <laughs> Dude, he's we still alive. That. We should see if we can get Sheriff John Bennell on the podcast. I bet you he's. I bet you he's just enough washed up and low status celebrity that we could obtain him. Now watch. <laughs> he's gonna say yes and then go back and listen to an episode and he's gonna hear you say that. And he's a washed up piece of shit. You know, we could probably get no, him. Dude, like, I don't know if anyone like remembers that that show. Like I used to watch it all the time. It's on like reality TV or real TV or something back when we had cable. Like world's wildest <laughs> police chases. And it'd be like. <laughs> He just he was an he was a sheriff, but he would just like talk like you know he'd just call people like this knucklehead thought he could run from the law. Little did he know, like it was just he had like the cheesiest <laughs> one liners, and he would just assert funny things. Like I remember there there's some police chase going on. He's like everybody knows that police officers are the best drivers in the world, and I'm like what that, what no that's not true. <laughs> have you, have you seen race car drivers or, or drifters or monster truck drivers? Yeah. Or... And have you also ever seen a cop, you know, you can get a, a uh, ticket for, you know, talking on the phone while you're driving, you can get a ticket, but you'll see a cop like parked on the highway, like in a narrow little, uh, like median where they have it cut out so they can flip around and they'll be on their laptop, like flipping a UE into traffic, like while they're like sending an email or playing Minecraft or something. So it's just, mm. it's hilarious, the double standard. But no, they're not better. It's not like they go to like racing or drifting school when they become no, they, cops. They, they drive around cones in like a stadium parking lot for three hours one day. And they're like, oh, yeah, those yeah. are driving training. But um, it's the same thing they do. It's the same thing they do with uh, combative training. Like they, you know, to get good at, this is where I can speak with some, uh, some actual knowledge and expertise on, to get good at grappling, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or wrestling or anything, it's not like you can come to one class and it's like, here, I'm going to show you how to do an arm bar. Now you know how to do it. It's no, you have to have hundreds of hours and thousands of repetitions to have something become like part of your actual skill set and, and stay. So your body understands it. And it's like you download it and it becomes part of your algorithm. And uh, the idea that like a cop will become a competent driver or, you know, skilled in hand-to-hand combat from a couple classes is laughable. That's not how skill works. And it's the same thing with shooting guns or any other, or shooting a bow. It's the same thing. You're not going to get good from, you know, one cheap little class. Yeah. Well, I remember when you say like, um, 
you know, the, the cops not like doing hypocritical things. I remember uh, it's actually the day of my our older brother's wedding. Um, I was giving one of my dad's friends a ride and I had a 2007 CTSV Cadillac at the time. Um, no big deal. I've had three of those. Nick's only had one, but no big deal. Um, <laughs> that was I was giving him a ride in it because it was a fun and fast car. And I went to go turn around and I went back to an intersection to go left, but it was right turn only. But there was no reason for it. Like I just looked and I was like, there's no cars coming. There's no median. Why can't I go left? So I turned left and there's a cop like sitting behind this like little municipal building that was waiting for me to do it the whole time. He saw my left signal on. So I just like let the clutch out and start going forward and just whoop, he just lights me up, turns left. And, and we just pulled me over immediately. He's like, you know, why I pulled you over and I just played stupid. Like I didn't see the sign. I was like, uh, no, he goes, that was a right turn only. There's, there's a legal left turn. And I was just like, but you turned left right behind me. Like if it's dangerous, it's dangerous, right? Like <laughs> two lefts make a right. Two lefts make a right, but he just I don't know, he gave me some excuse about him having emergency lights and sirens, so it's, they had to yield to him. But I was like, okay, he gave me a ticket, and everyone thought I got a ticket for like speeding because I took him. You know, I was going out for a test drive to like show my dad's buddy how fast the car was, but I was like, nope, illegal left turn, which you know, victimless crime. Yeah, it's a just revenue generation plot from the, the road pirates when they're in road <laughs> pirate mode, but um. What else is going on in the world right now? I, I'm having, I don't want to say it, I, I, it's not a source of joy. I'm kind of smirking at the hypocrisy of uh, the left right now with the situation at the border. Cause I mean, it's, it's terrible. You know, there's innocent little kids that are like being held captive and it's not like yeah. their life before or after being held captive at the border is going to be any better necessarily. They're, you know, escaping drug cartels in Mexico and, God knows if they're even with their real parents when they were separated. It's, it's terrible, but you know, obviously everybody's aware of how the media covered this and whipped up the public into a frenzy um, under Trump. And now, you know, after Joe Biden's rhetoric as, uh, as you know, on, on the campaign trail of saying, you know, we're going to be the most inclusive country ever to, uh, to migrants and all these things. Mm. And basically saying like, you know, you're going to have it made like we welcome people. And then when he takes office, all of a sudden, a ton of people start coming up and they're like, fuck, yeah, this guy's the man. And then they get to the border and they're getting detained as if it was any other president ever, because, of course, Joe Biden just panders to the left wing base. But really, he's an establishment corporatist. And uh, just watching the media like they moved away from the term kids in cages completely. You will not see that phrase come up anywhere. And. Now they are just migrant detention centers, which sounds nice. And they're they're it's, they had a three hundred percent surge. I I just I feel bad for the people that that propaganda works on. Like, and but I, I know who they I know who they are though. I have them in my immediate life around me, and it's like I don't know what to do. I don't want to fight with everyone. It's like it's not worth blowing up relationships over. But it's like, how do you not see what's going on? You are being played. Like, no. And, and I mean, this is what I wanted to talk to uh, when Vin Armani comes on. I want to get his thoughts on this because I feel like a lot of times he talks about the same thing or people ask him about the same things whenever he's on shows. And the way I look at it, there are really like two schools of thought among I'm not even fond of the word libertarian anymore because it's such a loaded term. But for liberty minded people, there are basically two camps. There are people when it comes to strategy, the two camps are we need political change and we need to awaken the masses. We need to red pill as many people as we can and, you know, get people on our side and change hearts and minds. 
And then there's the crowd that is a little more cynical when it comes to that strategy. And it's basically like build your own lifeboat, like just, you know, take care of yourself and secede from as much as you can. And I think Vin is very much in the second camp and I, I'm not sure exactly where I stand. I think both are worthwhile. You know, I try to fortify my own life while also talking to people and, you know, trying to actually get open-minded people to, uh, to see things differently. Yeah. But I don't know. I, it seems like a futile strategy where, okay, we just got through like Jeffrey Epstein in the last couple of years, like Jeffrey Epstein, the, the Russia hoax with Donald Trump, the impeachment, uh, COVID, all of these things where people can be blatantly demonstrably wrong in broad daylight in front of the entire world and they will not change their perspective. So it's not even worth talking about their hypocrisy because it's just, if they don't see that they're hypocrites, nothing is going to make them change. I don't like they, they have their heels dug in and they can't be spoken to or, or reasoned with. So it's, it's not about those people. It's about, you know, finding people who are apolitical. I think that is the most untapped demographic when it comes to actually shaping our society, people that, and they're my favorite kind of people, the people that just don't really give a shit about politics and they're just decent people and they want to just live their lives. Those are the people that need to be woken up, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, my, my uh, wife was very apolitical when I met her and which is nice. Cause like, you know, like I, it's really hard to find like a girl who's just like you, like, you know, you know, finding one that's a, a, a radicalized libertarian. Like that's, it sounds good on paper, but it's, you know, it's not usually like, that's not usually how it goes, but I could never like date or marry someone that's like a lefty either. Like that, that would never work. I would be nonstop fights because just your day-to-day decisions and conversations would constantly be button heads, but especially um, today. Oh yeah. Today it's impossible. But my wife was very apolitical, but she's very, you know, she can think for herself and, and is an intelligent person. So she, you know, like I'll pitch her my argument on something and she'll be like, wow, I, I, I've never thought about that. That's, that's a really good point. And um, it would, yeah, that's way better. Like it was way better just to find someone who had no political standing and sell them on, on why, uh, you know, you feel the way you feel about it. And if you do a good enough job articulating your point, it shouldn't be that hard to win them over. But yeah, it's... uh. It's just hard, man. Like I look at when you talk about like even like the kids in cages thing, like I remember so many people like I'm not even on Facebook, but like my sister was sending me stuff that she was seeing with with her friends during the election, just like unloading about how Trump is keeping kids in cages and how terrible this is. And it's like they were they were so passionate. They were losing sleep over this. And even though you'd point out that those pictures were from 2014, which was the Obama Biden years. That literally just like bounces off them like they have a force field around them. They can't even hear those words because they can't be true because Obama good, Trump bad. It's that clear. And now it's like, okay, but he's been in, inaugurated for like, you know, two months or three months or two months. Was it? Yeah. And um, the kids are still in the cages. So like, where's your outrage? Are you still losing sleep? Like, I'm like, I, I don't. It just blows my mind that they, they they will literally react to whatever they're told or, or or like spoon fed from all the powers that be, like corporate media. I went on, on Spotify today, and the homepage was "We Stop Asian Hate." We stand to stop Asian hate, like right on the homepage. I'm like, yeah, we stand in solidarity with Asian communities around the world. It's like on the front page of of a uh, the app for Stitcher. It's like that phrase didn't exist two weeks ago, and now. No. Every, all the powers are all in lockstep saying it. It's like, 
I didn't know it was an epidemic. And if it is, like, yeah, okay, that's bad. But I, I didn't know this existed. Like, this is something that's brand new. And, like, it's weird how it's, like, an assignment that people get for their outrage. Like, this is what we're mad about this week. Go, like, try to yeah. fight about this. I, I think that the mainstream media is in a very strange and unique position because I've said it before. They're like a wounded animal. Like they're lashing out and throwing the kitchen sink at trying to control the narrative on so many things. And I think the the whole hate crime thing and anti-racism is one of them where, again, it's like talk to any just decent person, their political views aside, and everybody thinks that like, you know, treating people shitty or obviously killing them is wrong. Like you don't need to, you don't, it's like, you don't need some specific anti this campaign when you just have a society that's polite and respectful and values life. It's just not something you need to do. And uh, it's, it's just perplexing because obviously they're losing legitimacy. Their viewership is way down, especially now that Trump's gone, but still somehow they're able to control the, 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 most popular narrative without actually having that many people tuning in to watch them. Like the cathedral is a very vocal and powerful minority and uh, you know, they have their minions and I I just don't get it. I mean, we'll see what happens. It's the next few years is going to be really interesting, particularly how long can they hide the fact that Joe Biden is just like, on death's door like he's they're just yeah, keeping it, that guy alive he's no press conferences he's he's you know stumbling upstairs and tripping that was a lot of fun to watch my favorite clip my favorite meme of him tripping on the stairs was a video where it's uh happy gilmore the scene where he's hanging out with the moving guys and he hits the golf ball as hard as he can he's like all right watch this and he like hits it and then it shows it flying and then it shows joe biden walking up the stairs and it hits him and he falls down <laughs> Oh, and that's then, brutal. And then he does it again and he knocks him down again. That's um, brutal. Or there's one with uh it was a Mario Kart where it's like three, two, one, go. And then Mario like goes up the stairs and he gets in front of Biden and throws a banana peel and then he slips <laughs> on it. And then, then he does it, you know, two two more banana peels and he trips. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and honestly, this is what we didn't get to talk <laughs> about. This is what we didn't get to talk about Pete Canona's with, but uh, his, his first book, Freedom Through Memedom, I think that was his first book, where it's like, instead of trying to reason with people, just mock them. Like if, if somebody believes something that's really, really silly, but they feel like they're vindicated because Barack Obama and Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel, the Jimmies both agree with this, um, just make fun of them if it's absurd, you know, and it's like, I don't, I don't want to like pick on anybody or anything, but when somebody is very vocal against you and they think that you're the bad guy, feel free to mock them. You know, you have to stick yeah. with your own moral compass. <clears throat> um, well, last week when we were recording with, uh, with Maggie Anders, we, we chatted for a little bit after we got done recording. It's Anders. She has a hard on. Hard on. <laughs> is it? Oops. Probably. Um, I'm just going off workaholics, but yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I forgot about that show. Um, great show. But, I was talking about like the, you know, the, the white privilege thing and how they put you in a position where it's like, you have to like prove that you merited anything in your life because it wasn't your skin color. And it's a very awkward conversation. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, the, have you stopped beating your wife thing where it's like, wait, what? There's no right answer. You can't say I don't beat my wife or yes, I've stopped. Like, it's like, they're going to get you either way. But, um, I, I was taking my daughter for a walk. My little, I have two little twins and they're uh, not even two yet. And my daughter is just like, you know, she's a daddy's girl. She's like the sweetest thing in the world. And just 
going for a walk and out in our quiet little subdivision and um you know we're out in a quiet little country town and in a nice big yard and she was walking in the driveway holding my finger and just laughing and just, just so happy like i was just like thinking how beautiful it is that she has no idea how crazy the world is right now that she's going into and it just it was just like a cool moment and then i had kind of a sad moment where you know in within 30 minutes from us there's a pretty bad area um in, in rockford where it's like there's little kids her age like growing up in squalor and crime and broken relationships and drug abusing households. And I was like, okay, well, is she privileged for being white? Like, cause I mean, there's, uh, there's people, you know, of, of all colors that, that make really bad decisions that create really bad environments for their children. And I was like, but, but in reality, I started to, to kind of back out and go, well, why, why is she in this house? And uh, you know, it's like, it, it's all the decisions that my wife and I made, uh, throughout our lives that brought us here. Like, you know, like my wife got pregnant when we were dating and I didn't run away. I married her and stuck around like that alone, like created, you know, this opportunity where uh, we're going to have a family environment now. Uh, Why did we get to the, this nice house in a safe area? Well, cause we deferred gratification financially with not spending money on frivolous things along the way. You know, my wife drives like a $8,000 minivan. I drive a $4,000 Prius. Like I'm not out there financing a $60,000 truck. We don't abuse drugs and alcohol. We're not getting DUIs and can't hold down a job. It's like you make good decisions and it leads to a good environment for your children. Like that's the privilege. It's like good decision privilege that kids get. It's like, yeah, some kids have very bad parents and it's very unfortunate and it's horrible. But should we be working on that instead of saying like, well, you're going to have a good life because your parents are white. Like, like what is, what is that? going to teach a kid like nope the system is rigged against you because your skin color not because you know there's and there's like white parents in this same area with like face tattoos and you know drug problems and and rap sheets a mile long and it's like these people have illegitimate kids all over the place and those kids are not likely gonna gonna grow up in a very stable environment you know it's horrible but it's it's so ridiculous that they make it about everything's literally black and white with skin color yeah no it's uh I mean, this is where you could tell that they don't actually, again, give a shit about anybody or helping anything because it's like, okay, let's say that systemic racism is every bit the problem that the social justice left says it is. Okay, well, what's the right remedy to that? If that was the case, you would tell people like, hey, you're going to need to really double down on your efforts to be disciplined and and prove yourself to people because you're not going to get the same opportunities. And they would be giving them Jordan Peterson style lectures about, you know, bearing your cross and, and, you know, proving yourself instead of saying like, no, there's nothing you can do until we have some sweeping political change. It's just terrible advice on a personal level, like remove the politics from it. It would never, if you had a friend that was struggling and you told them, you know, there's nothing you can do about this. You're oppressed and life's not going to get better until there's change that is outside of your control. You're, yeah, you're not, a, you're not that person's friend. That's a yeah, terrible to change, thing to say. Change legislation and your life will be better. Yeah. Now, before we wrap the podcast here, I wanted to share one video that I stumbled on from we are change. Uh, Luke Rudkowski, who's a great producer of content, um, really like his stuff. He put out this video yesterday where I don't know what podcast this is, but it's a four left-wing men that are what I like to call, um, not that all left-wing men are this, but 
the term I like to use is indoor cats because they appear to be kind of just declawed and very harmless um, kind of effeminate men. So I'm going to play this and there's kind of a suspenseful buildup. So I'll tell you what they're doing They're They have this podcast. It's four of them on zoom and they are about to interview the one, the only Dr. Mr. Anthony Fauci. So here's a little 45 second clip of their it's giddiness. muted on YouTube, Nick. It's muted. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix that. All right. Ready? Go. Guys, he's like going to jump on in like one minute. I know. He's almost here. <laughs> I have the participant window open and I, I get to allow him to enter. It's weird. I'm going to be smiling because I'm just excited to see him. Some nervous energy. He's a busy man. He's been lots of uh, world saving. We were 45 minutes early. <laughs> okay, ready? I'm admitting him right now. Here we go. Hey, hey, hi, hi, guys. How you doing? Hi, Doctor Fauci. Huh? So that's what happens when you have dangerously low testosterone levels. That wow. That yesterday when I watched that, I didn't even take pleasure in the cringe. Usually, I I uh, enjoy the cringe a little bit, but this one I was just like, oh. Oh, I have to share this with people just so I'm not the only one that has to, you know, misery loves company. I have to show this to like everybody who will appreciate the, the cringe. It's just, it's not even cringe. It's like, like groaning just, Oh, when I watch that, it's just, Oh, it hurts my soul. It's like, I just want to know, like, what are you so in awe about because of his, of his current celebrity status? Is it I mean, just are you starstruck or <laughs> is it because you saving... respect him as a, as a, as a doctor? Right. Is he, he, is, you think he legitimately a world savior? Saving. That's like, like, here's the deal. Like I would love to meet Ron Paul, but I wouldn't be like, Oh my goodness. He's coming on in five minutes. <laughs> like I, just I might, hey, but yeah, truly an honor. And if I, well, Yes, but you'd say a little with a little I wouldn't uh, do deeper it. voice. I wouldn't do it but... publicly. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would but, do it off no, camera. It's just I'm like not going to so put that out there like... and be proud of it. But this is the danger of the, uh, you know, when, when they remove God from society and, and, you know, the schools and everything. And we talked about this on the last podcast, like how they they replace religion with religious figures that are men and uh, you know it, it, you see it with like the dr fauci and, and when uh ruth Bader ginsburg passed away it I mean she was like mother Teresa to them like they just like they, oh, they, and they with, and with they ginsburg just... with ginsburg they didn't even know why they couldn't tell you anything about that woman until after she died you know what i mean they just know this yeah. is a saintly woman that i must revere you know they didn't yeah. know anything about her it's just they're told who to deify and they deify them their followers so, uh, you know i, I kind of had th- this thought today when i was driving and uh you know i was like the the beautiful thing about when people do have religion is that they have a set of beliefs that they think they need to live by or else they will be punished for in an afterlife if they don't abide by but the beautiful thing is as long as it's not violent which you know like <laughs> um it they're they're holding themselves accountable to what they believe their god wants to hold them to right so the when you remove god from society well then government literally takes that place and then when you look at like the the nsa when they uh store everyone's information how there's cameras everywhere with facial recognition 
it's like, well, the state in itself is like becoming what we believe God to be. Like they, they know all your, the sins of your past. They have everything archived, every text message, every phone, every Facebook status, tweet, you name it. They could pull anything out to destroy you if you ever, you know, if they ever had a motive. So it's basically like, like, you know, the idea of heaven, like you're gonna have a judgment day. Like they have that on people. And the only difference is instead of religion where you're holding yourself accountable to your beliefs, they're holding you accountable to their beliefs. So like things we're saying on this podcast right now could be stuff we'd be losing sleep over in five years. Like, oh man, like Nick, you said the name Ted Kaczynski. I know you weren't really, but you said it (laughs) like, it's like they replaced God in a way where they literally are watching you all the time and have all the sins of your past archived. Like they could give you a judgment day. Like, it's so weird how they, they literally try to replace the idea of God and feel how you want to feel about whether you believe God or not. But that is what it is. It's, they think there's like, they are the most powerful force. And, and I think it's unhealthy to think man is the most powerful force. And it's not like they, it's not like they just don't understand nuance and debate and reason. It's that they actively reject it. Like they, they, if you start making an argument, they will just their eyes glaze over and they just think it's heresy what they're hearing. If you question anything that they've been taught to believe as gospel. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is what we're up against. And it's not like I have any, I don't have an ounce of ill will towards these people in their personal lives. It's like, I just want you to go back to being irrelevant. You and your terrible ideas that I want no part of just leave my life and leave me alone. And uh, that's, that's what like Jeff Dice talks about that. You know, the, the way to look at the world right now is, it's there are two classes of people, the imposers and the imposed upon. And right now they're out there doing a lot of imposing all of the branch covidians. They are just trying to push their agenda and they, they believe that they are vindicated and they're like this strength in numbers kind of uh, mentality. And that makes them dangerous because they can actually sway public policy. Yeah. And it was, I was talking to our, to our father earlier and he was just venting about something. And, uh, something government related and he's like he's like man can you just 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 stay off my shit like you just say within terms of the government just just stay off or stay out of my shit stay out of my shit is what he said started laughing and i was like man pulse of the wall is catchy but stay out of my shit is not a bad name for a podcast <laughs> stay out of my shit yeah. <laughs> it's a little too close to gavin mckinnis's get off my lawn but uh yeah <laughs> you know, i thought it was a catchy name you're gonna be canceled just for saying gavin's name but uh Oh, I with sorry. these people, it's like I wish I just want to carry like a spray bottle of water around, and then whenever somebody starts lecturing to me or or pitching me on some terrible idea, you know, regarding COVID or whatever the latest public outrage thing is, I just want to carry the spray bottle, and then like they're a cat that's not behaving, just yeah, I just go and just make them go away, just like that. I wish I could see the spun headlines off of that. <laughs> did i say spray gun that. okay no no they could chop that i wish i had a gun so i could tell these no. people no no i think it's a spray bottle but i'm just saying like spray it has bottle. a trigger and you're aiming something in a direction and and it's uh you know you're, you're coming from the wrong belief side so you are you are a terrorist um yeah, but i mean this is this is like what we're watching right now this is like this is the salem witch trials you know what i mean it's dude it's no different it's it's just this these uh angry mobs that decide that there is a villain class that they must just vanquish um so yeah i, I mean i hope it passes and we'll yeah i mean uh when, when dave smith was talking to michael malice about black pill white pill thing um they, they got to the point where they said uh 
or Dave was like, you know, if it's that bad, you can you can always just kill yourself. That's an option. So the fact that you're not doing that, you are taking the white pill, you know, because you're sticking around to see what's going to happen. You're not at that point where it's all hopeless and despair, right? It's like I, I was, I've kind of had that same philosophy since it's all broke out because, like, especially last summer, it was like, man, I was getting blown up with phone calls from friends and, and family and, and, and group texts, like, sending me links about what they're doing now and they're going to send us all into camps. And, and like, it, it gets your heart racing. You get paranoid. And then I just, I, after a while, I got so numb to it. I was like, then just fucking put me in the gas chamber. Like, I'm going to enjoy my life until then. So if, if they put me in a gas chamber next week, then it's over. Then, okay, well, this was, this was, you know, the worst thing that could happen to mankind. But anything more than that, then I got to live these days not being stressed out and worried about something I have no control over. So, and the, and everyone's like, well, what's your gears back and do nothing? And I'm like, no, like I, I started a podcast, right? We talk about this stuff and try to spread our ideas in a peaceful manner. Like that, that's doing way more than like just run around calling people that already agree with me and trying to scare them with some new radical left agenda that sounds extremely Orwellian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I like we were talking about earlier with like the just giving yourself time to just like once a week, at least just giving yourself a little mini vacation from all of the outside world. I think that's a I think that's a good like self-care exercise. Just get yourself some me time and just tune things out for a while. And then if you could do that every day, then more power to you. Just be prepared. You know, I wouldn't say like, you know, you should still have, you know, own some Bitcoin, some guns, that kind of thing. But other than that, yeah, don't, don't obsess. You know, I've, and I've been guilty of that. That's something that right. it's only in the last, like in the last year, it was after the, the COVID lockdowns and after the George Floyd riots and everything, I'm like, okay, this, this shit's out of my control. It's crazy. Um, I'm just going to, tune out as much as i can and you know still keep up with things but yeah you gotta right. you gotta give yourself some some space it's, it's so unhealthy yeah and you know i found like my best escape only because like i'm so limited like you have jujitsu like you go there everything else in the world goes away when you're in that moment you love it you're it's something that you're doing a physical exercise so it feels great but i've been watching a lot of uh, uh motor trend tv with like roadkill and hot rod garage and like there is not a bad episode of any of those. And like, I really want to get like Mike Finnegan on the show and then interview him. But it's just like, I look at their life and it's like, they're just going about it. And again, all this crazy stuff's going on in the world and they have to alter their, their, uh, you know, filming around it and everything. But it's just like, it takes everything away for that half hour when I'm watching it. Like, they're just like trying to figure out how to get this nitrous assembly to, to work and they're running into electrical problems. They're troubleshooting it and making the car shave a half second off in the quarter mile. And it's like, it's just so fascinating. Like, oh man, he's going to do exactly what I wish I could be doing, but I don't have the, the time to be doing right now. Like, nor to yeah. be investing money in the hot rods right now because it's a terrible place to be put in. But it's just so cool because even like we're talking about with, with Malcolm Reed with the barbecue thing, I learned so much watching it. Like, those, these guys are like brilliant gearheads and hot rodders. So, like, they're very smart with motors and all that. So, it's so cool to like, you're, you're getting a little bit of an education and kind of kicking your mind away from everything. So, no matter what your hobby is, I think it's, it's cool to have something where you can break away. So anyhow, anything else you want to close on Nick? Uh, no, I mean, I'm just, like I said before, uh, we got some awesome guests coming up, so, uh, stay tuned and, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, also, uh, freedom fest. We're going to be there this year, July 21st to 24th at Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. Uh, we're going to, yes go out there and we're going to be doing some interviews and whatnot. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's fun. We're bringing the, the whole fam and even our parents are coming out, which I thought was kind of cool. That like 
you know, like when you're young, you go on vacation with your parents and it's great. Then you get to like 18 to 24 where you're kind of like, no, I'm going to hang out with my friends and I don't want my parents going on vacation. Then you're 30 and you have kids and it's like, hey, let's invite our parents on vacation. It's so weird how fast that happens. It's just a weird. Yeah, like, no, I still transition. feel 14. Yeah. And it's like, it's really fun to like, uh, you know, now try to build memories where I want my my kids to remember their grandparents being here. So it's it's kind of like a whole different angle, but it's. Really cool. We're looking forward to Freedom Fest. Um, also, guys, yeah, if you could, please head over to iTunes, rate and review the show. Um, I saw one of you assholes gave us a four star. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and assume that was a mistake. Who does um, that? Who does but, that? Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I appreciate honest feedback. But uh, yeah, we have like 20, 25 stars and like one four. I'm like, come on, man. What? Is it because is it I talk too fast? Is that what it is? That's, that's because it's such good shit personal. It's like, okay, maybe yeah, well, that's we... why they don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> we both are naturally fast talkers you know i have to kind of consciously slow myself down if i let myself go like i am right now then i can kind of talk fast and the reason i do that is because i want to get my ideas in there quickly and not take up too much time i've had a term lately for people that just rob me of my time people that cut you off in traffic uh people that bullshit uh you know when you're at work and they just take up way too much time unnecessarily non-productively i call them time rapists so i try not to be a time rapist so <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think, you know, part of that is just growing up canceled. in a, yeah, um, growing up in a, in a, Nick and I were a family of five. I think that was like, if you wanted to speak, you had to like cram your words in to be heard. I think that's probably <laughs> yeah. what it is. And then my, my mind just fucking idles at 3000 RPM. Like I can't like for me to talk slow, I'm really trying. Like it's, it's like doing a workout. Like it's, I feel it's it's hard for me to do it, and especially when I when I'm passionate or really excited about something. Um, it, like I get going to the point where I listen back to some of my episodes, and I'm like, "Slow the hell down, dude! I can't I can't even understand myself." It's kind of um, like fast fast eating. It's the same reason, big family, you know. Oh, dude! If you wanted seconds, you had to power down that first uh, that first entree. I mean, otherwise there was nothing left. So. And when, you know, when you're a teenager, it's like you just can consume like 9,000 carbs a day and not get fat. So it was, uh, yeah, I'm trying to slow that down. My my body's not, doesn't respond quite as fast. I go out to eat once and gain two pounds now. So it's it's weird. Everything they told me was true. <coughs> so anyhow, Freedom Fest, uh, rate and review the show. And um, yeah, no four-star reviews, please. I mean, peace. Let's let's be honest. All right, peace.